0: ION 2020 episode 183. Have 2020 vision with ION 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host with the most for the 2020 election, bringing you all the news The events, all the things that go on in the 2020 election. Thank you for joining me today. I apologize for the sound. I was not able to do the podcast where I normally do it, which is a non-echoing room. I'm forced to be in a room that has quite an echo. I tried to pad some things and stuff just to make it sound a little bit better, but uh, hopefully it's coming out sounding pretty good to you guys today. But... um. It's Monday, so thank you for joining me. I bring you guys a show Monday through Friday uh, just to bring you the news and the, the events that are going on in the 2020 election, let you guys know just a little bit about what's going on, and maybe give you guys a libertarian spin on those things that are going on as well. And that helps keep everyone grounded in the libertarian tradition, right? The libertarian way, and that libertarian way is what? that libertarian way is non-aggression living peacefully among men uh, don't hurt people don't take their stuff that's kind of a easy way to describe it right so let's go, let's all commit to that let's all commit to talking to other people about that um, I've heard people say that you want to be you know completely and utterly uh, you know follow your ideology and follow be principled all the time and stuff like that um, but there are people out there that are not like super principled libertarians by any means they're not ones that are you know pure libertarians, but we need to accept those people into the group as well because uh because that's i mean that 's how you get that's how you grow the movement is to just show people the way just show people a little bit about the libertarian movement, and then you can get them to start understanding different things about liberty and understanding you know the non-aggression principle and those things that we follow as libertarians right but if you could just get them into the idea and say hey man you know what you believe that you shouldn't hurt people you shouldn't take their stuff well let's start from there with those people you know if they say hey man we don't think the government should be putting people in prison for having marijuana and possession of marijuana and smoking marijuana let's start at that point with those people you know because uh, those are the things that we can do. We can start with those things and then move on from there and bring them into the fold as well. Um, but hey, thank you for joining me for the show. I've been doing this thing th- since January, and I always want to try to bring you guys as much news and things about the elections that's going on. I want to uh, follow the news with you guys, and I want to follow the the polls with you guys. I want to follow all the things that are you know relevant to the 2020 election, and last week... You guys heard the the Friday show was the Democratic debate, and I usually do a show right after the debate where I talk about that before I even listen to talking heads talk, before I even uh, hear anything about what everyone else was saying on Twitter and with all the talking heads that are supposed to be like the people that really know the candidates and stuff. I always try to get a show out. Uh, immediately afterwards before I listen to them and then throughout the weekend what I'll do is I'll listen to or the next couple of days after those debates like this this particular debate on Friday and Saturday I listen to some people and just kind of see what they're saying and read articles about what they're saying about the debate and that's what I'm going to talk to you guys about today as well and then also in the coming weeks though you're going to start seeing polls coming out about the debate or that come out after the debate so it's polls that were taking after the debate and then you'll start seeing where these candidates are going to start ranking themselves or where people are ranking these candidates over after that debate was over with and the reason why i think that those are very relevant is because it's very timely right if Elizabeth warren had a really good showing in this last debate then she might start going up in those polls if uh Joe Biden didn't hurt himself, but he actually helped himself, then he's going to start going up in those poles and we'll start pulling away from the pack even further than he already is. But let's say a Beto O'Rourke who just said, hey man, I'm going to take away their AK-47s and I'm going to take away the M-16s and the AR-15s and all that stuff. And uh, the super far left people were like, yeah, take those guns, do it. I love Beto for that. He's willing to stand up. He has a backbone. He might start seeing a surge in the polls as well because of something like that that he did. Because I heard people praising him big time over that statement that, hell yeah, we're going to take their guns. Hell yeah, we're going to take their guns. So you never know where these people are going to stand on, on those particular issues. That was kind of like the big moment of the debate, though, when Vado Rourke said, hell yeah, we're going to take their guns. That spurred an uproar among a lot of conservatives, spurred an uproar, especially in the libertarian community, that says that the government should be, shouldn't be, you know, confiscating anybody's property in the first place, especially law, law-abiding citizens' property. But the people that were on the left that were these anti-gun activists and stuff, they praised him for it. They thought that he was, they, was, he, they thought, man, this guy is strong, and he's going to do what no one else is willing to do, and that's take their guns from them. I mean, a lot of people say, I, I heard a couple of polls and stuff, or people like are on Facebook that are making those stupid Facebook polls, and they're like, what would you do if the government decided to come take your guns from you, take your a- AR-15s, and um, people were, well, some people are like, you know, revolution, and other people are like, you know, what, what are you going to do if they came and took your guns, though? Is there really going to be a revolution? I, I just don't see anything like that happening, guys. I don't. Most people... M- in general, most people just lay down when the government confiscates something from them. Most people just lay down and don't fight it when the government starts taking away their rights. And slowly but surely, the government will slowly try to take away those rights. They're not going to do it in one fell swoop. But they will try to do it overall because that's what they, that's what they want. That's what they want to do is take over those rights. Because the more rights that you have, the less control they have. And especially on the gun debate. The, re- the more guns you have, the less control they have. In that way as well. But most people in general will just lay down and take it. I'm convinced of that. That's just, I mean, there, there's always the 10 or 15% that are going to put up a fight. But as soon as they shoot someone dead in the street for resisting that or start putting people in prison for it, how many of you guys are willing to be martyrs for something like that? How many of you? I don't know that there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be willing to be martyrs for something like that. They're gonna say they're gonna use they're gonna rationalize it and say, Okay, well, at least they're not taking my my pistol, at least they're not taking my hunt rifle, at least they're not taking everything else. That's how a lot of people are gonna rationalize it. They're gonna rationalize and say, Oh yeah, you know what, no one really does need an AR fifteen anyway. That is what they're gonna say. That's what most people are gonna rationalize it and say, that is just fine that they're taking my AR fifteen. Um and you know, there will be the small minority that will that'll stand up and fight it. They'll have some rallies and stuff like that. They might end up, even end up having a situation like what happened in, um, you know, where, like, you get some group of people that, you know, get together and they band together and they have their guns and they decide that they're going to, you know, resist and they all get together and make it happen. And then the FBI and they send in SWAT teams and all that stuff like what happened in Waco, Texas back in the 90s. Like, you might have something like that happen. But you're never gonna if the government passes a law, you're never gonna beat it. It has to start now where we fight and resist those things now. We we fight to educate other people. We fight to get people like Beto or Work silenced in a way by not getting them elected. I mean you could he could talk all he wants. We're not talking about silencing him like that. We're talking about silence in the sense that yeah, he's not a legitimate candidate at that point. But I think that he will get some legitimacy because of that. But you're going to start seeing the polls come out. That's what I'm getting at. You're going to start seeing the polls come out in about a week or so that were taken after the debates. And you're going to start seeing different people rise and different people fall at that point. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I just, that was the big, the big thing of the debate, man. And I think it's going to help a bit of work a little bit. It probably just blew, like, you know how if a fire just, you know, the fire goes out, but there's still the, The red, um, you know, the the fire's out, but you can blow on it and get that fire going back up again by blowing on those coals. Uh, I think that, you know, he he blew on those coals a little bit and got that fire going a little bit more. Um, And then everyone was praising him as well on that stage. So, I mean, one of the things that I read is that Beto was a clear winner in the debate because of that. Now, the next person that they were saying was a clear winner of the debate was Joe Biden because he was able to defend himself um against like Julian Castro in that way when he had that little back and forth with Julian Castro and Julian Castro started calling him, you know, forgetful and what do you can't remember things and stuff. And people looked at Julian Castro as the bad guy in that little spat back and forth. Julian Castro even tried to defend himself afterwards. But they say that Joe Biden did not hurt himself. He actually helped himself because he did do a lot of he did seem like the reasonable person on stage. And I think that anyone that's not far left will look at Joe Biden as the most reasonable person On stage as well And you'll see those those numbers come out as well On the um, in, in the next couple of weeks or so On the different polls that come out And I'll be bringing those polls to you guys as well So don't worry, I'm here for you I am I do this Monday through Friday I'm always searching for something to talk about Because a lot of days there's nothing to talk about And then I'll just do, you know A random show about a random topic I, I mean, sometimes I'm just trying to figure out things to talk about But, um I'll be bringing all that information to you guys over the next couple of weeks. The other person they said was a clear winner in the debate was um, Elizabeth Warren, because she didn't get a lot of talking time, right? And the thing that helped her out was the fact that since she did not get a lot of talking time, she didn't have anybody really attacking her either, and that was a good thing for her. So, um, And then what I'm looking up is uh, who got the most time on that stage. Oh! The other person that I heard a lot of people saying that was a clear winner in the debates was Andrew Yang. And the reason why is because, and I said this after the debate as well, a lot of his answers were very much outside of the box. I think he had eight minutes of speaking time on that stage total, um, and he, they were saying that just the way that he answered the question... He was able to do things that are outside of the box, and a lot of people got to talking about those ideas that he had that were outside of the box. So they were saying that he was a clear winner as well. Um, I've even heard libertarians say it, because one of the things that he said, and libertarians love this, guys, is he said we should trust the people with their money rather than politicians with that money. And I think that's what he was saying, like the $1,000... Um, freedom dividend thing that he's talking about and libertarians were li- like i heard a lot of libertarians even on reason.com i think they were they got they have their own little podcast and they were even saying wow that's really great that he um he said that but not that we agree with a lot of those socialist views because a lot of these people they have uh socialist views and uh, i mean and he agrees just as much with them as any other candidate you know like he's very much out there as a lefty so um he has those leftist views he has those views that says that the government should take care of a lot of people the government should step in and be you know have some kind of safety net even though he wants to give everyone that thousand dollar peace dividend he also or not peace dividend but um freedom dividend that he calls it, he still has this idea that you need to have Medicare for all, that you need to raise teachers' wages, and da 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 you know, but um, someone said that he had the best answer on immigration, which I actually agree with that also, when he said that we need immigrants, he he talked about his family being immigrants, His, his, his father, he said, my father was a peanut farmer in China, and he got over to America, and now he has a son that's running for president and you know a business owner son that's a millionaire and a son that's running for president now um he said so anyone can do it and my father came over here and worked hard most immigrants have a higher there's a higher number of new business owners uh, entrepreneurship among among the immigrant class than the regular you know US citizen class right And he said that we need those people because it brings innovation and so forth. And that was the best answer that I've ever heard about immigration as well because we do need that. I mean that's what America was built on was immigrants, right? Um, Immigration and the ability for immigrants to come over here and prosper and come over here with a dream. Uh, So we do need a lot of that stuff. And I think that that is an inspiring thing that he said. But then again, he does talk a lot about the welfare state as well. So I'm kind of torn about Andrew Yang I mean, as a libertarian, I'm torn on any candidate in the first place that's going to talk about the state doing anything um, outside of the bounds of maybe, like, the military and the courts and stuff. But uh, we do live in the real world. We live where we're at. So you do, you do want to, you know, support the best candidates in that way as well. Especially, like, if you're, for example, if you're a libertarian and you support one of these Democrat candidates that's, like, the most libertarian, then it's going to send signals to the other candidates around them that hey man if i'm just a little bit more libertarian if i have a little more views like that then maybe i can pick up some of those votes and those donations as well same thing with the republicans if you support the most libertarian candidate like a justin amash like a thomas massey uh, like a rand paul or something like that um The other people around them are going to see, hey, man, these guys are getting lots and lots of people on board with them. Maybe I should listen to their views because maybe those views are good. And then that's going to cause more Republicans to become more libertarian-leaning along with the Democrats becoming more libertarian-leaning. So I think it's a good thing to support them on those issues in some way um, or praise them on those issues that are good and let that be known that you're praising them as well because it will inspire other people possibly to – to go ahead and be a little bit more libertarian leaning as well, so um, that's a good thing. But let's let me find out what I was going to try to find out today for you guys, and I'm going to look it up now. Is who had the most speaking time on that stage? Okay, so let me go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and hop on Google and kind of try to find that information really fast. So the New York Times has it listed here, and uh, Joe Biden, surprise, surprise, he did get the most speaking time at 17 minutes and 22 seconds. A lot of that time was spent during the first um, hour of the debate when they were talking about Medicare for All. He did speak a lot, and they also went back to him with a lot of the questions as well. Uh, during that time, he spoke a lot about healthcare. It shows that he, uh, shows he t- talked a lot about foreign policy as well. And um, the other thing he spoke the most about was education. And then you had Elizabeth Warren, who had quite a bit of time on healthcare as well. She actually had... About a minute less than uh, Joe Biden, which is surprising, was 16 minutes and 37 seconds. I didn't really notice her talking a lot, but she must have got a lot of time in immediately, uh, like, further into the debate. It had to have been because I remember that first hour, like, she did talk for the first 10 or 15 minutes. but then There was about an hour or so where you hardly heard from her at all. Uh, Cory Booker, yeah, he did. He got quite a bit of time as well. He was a kind of a standout during the debate as well. He got 14 minutes and 46 seconds uh, three minutes t- less time than uh, Joe Biden. Sanders got 13 minutes and 55 seconds. He doesn't really take up a lot of time because he doesn't speak a lot. When he ha- he already he already has all the answers to his questions. He know exactly what he's going to say every single time. Talk about the you know top one tenth of one percent and all that stuff. Uh, Kamala Harris coming in fifth. And then Pete Buttigieg with 11 minutes. So Hamlet Harris 13 minutes. Pete Buttigieg with 11 minutes. Castro had 11 minutes. Klobuchar had 10 minutes. O'Rourke had nine minutes. And uh, Andrew Yang had about eight minutes. So wow, well, Andrew Yang, yeah. And it kind of goes in line with who was the front runners and who is not the front runners on who is going to get the most time and the most questions. Uh, so that's uh, that's interesting to look at. Now, how do these how do these guys fare? Um, on the election odds sites, that's the other thing that I always like to look at immediately after the debates because um, that is like immediately people start betting on who's going to be the next uh, president or who's going to win the dem- Democratic primary, right? And I've, I've talked to you guys about this before. Elizabeth Warren actually is at the highest level among all the candidates on who has the most likely chance of becoming the democratic winning the democratic primary she was way below joe biden for a while joe biden was like in the 27 28% range and then everyone else was around like a you know 20% 15% and lower um right now elizabeth warren actually went up significantly higher than she was a couple days ago. She was at like 32%. Now she's at 36.5% chance of winning the Democratic primary. Joe Biden's down to 23% from around the 25% mark. Bernie Sanders comes in third at 12%. And then Kamala Harris is at 6.9%. After the first debate, Kamala Harris was the highest. Like she was at 25% chance and she's just fallen. And when you listen to her talk, I didn't, I mentioned this in the debate show or the post-debate show she is kind of monotone she seems like she doesn't have a lot of energy um and i i mean i don't know she must be really she's got to be really worn out right now or something that's that's the only feeling that i get about her when i listen to her talk so we'll see going forward if she gets a little bit of energy behind her uh but i mean she's a falling star right now and we'll see how that helps her out uh, going into the next round of debates, which will be in October, okay? Andrew Yang comes in, though, at fifth, uh, behind Harris at 5.1%, with Pete Buttigieg, who I have been saying is a sleeper for a while, and he is only at 3.5% chance, with Clinton, Hillary Clinton, which is, uh, she's like 0.2% behind her at three, him at 3.3% chance, and Cory Booker is only at 2.3% chance, so even Hillary Clinton, who hasn't even got into the race, um, who has no, has says she has no plan on running, which I think that she might actually get into the race at some point. I'm not sure, but even she's beating Cory Booker, Tulsi Gabbard, who wasn't even on that stage is at 1% and she's beating out like beta work, Amy Klobuchar and, uh, Julian Castro who are actually on that debate stage and, um, and, uh, yeah, Amy Klobuchar, I think that was the other one that I was looking for and she was on there yeah so um so Tulsi Gabbard was even on there and Tulsi Gabbard has been getting two percent in the polls so she'll probably be on the debate stage next round anyway but I'm surprised that Cory Booker is not getting as much uh attention because he's a huge presence on that stage man he is probably the person that sounds the most reasonable to like the lay person I guess um it's second to like Joe Biden, who's, you know, the person that, hey, he can beat Donald Trump. I think Cory Booker could probably take it to Donald Trump in the sense of being like, you know, hard nose and stuff, too. So we'll see how that goes on the presidential primary uh, or the U.S. presidency. Donald Trump's at 44 percent chance of being the next president with Elizabeth Warren at 18.4 percent chance. Obviously, Donald Trump is going to be the highest just because of he's the president already. Um Yes. so anyway, guys, that's all I got for you guys on this particular show. Um, I didn't want to get into too much of the news. That was just kind of looking looking back at the debate, how things went. And uh, I think that going forward, man, you're going to start seeing a little bit of changes uh, in this thing. Like you might see Amy Klobuchar drop out. Um, I don't know that any of them are going to drop out before the next debate by any means in October. But it would probably be smart to whittle that crowd down a little bit on those people that are not pulling very high but we'll see how it goes and uh if you guys keep on coming back i will keep on putting this show on every single day monday through friday for you but uh go ahead if you want to subscribe to the show so you can hear the show tomorrow listen to some of the shows that i have at previous this one and then uh go ahead and check me out on iontheempire.com iontheempire on facebook and on twitter And then uh, Ray at IonLeampire.com. If you want to email me, you can do that as well. And uh, if you want to support the show, the best thing you can do to do that is go to anchor.fm slash Ion2020, and there you'll have a a place to uh, show some support to the show, all right? Uh, But then come on back tomorrow, and you'll have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you, but if you are a salesperson or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job so like i said if you know somebody that's in sales or if you yourself are in sales go ahead and check out this podcast it's on all of your podcatchers anything that you would listen to and that is called first year in sales with ray ian